Hello and welcome to Autoholics Anonymous by the Autoholic. I'm Stephen Diamond. In this episode, Ryan and I talk about my family's Porsche 996 and the trials and tribulations it has been through to become the semi-street, semi-track car it is today. We also talk about whether or not I should manual swap my W123. So stay tuned and enjoy. So Stephen's dad has a 996. They drive on the track all the time have a lot of fun with and excuse me they did have to replace a motor which was very expensive but it was due to a money shift and uh you know other than that ims and rms the other thing i think is the air oil separator which was the thing that we experienced in jeff's car right all the smoke i mean i they're pretty reliable cars yeah i mean if you just drive these cars in daily life I mean, they're pretty well-built German pieces of engineering, so they're they're going to be reliable. Um, if you put, uh, and they they take the track very well, so it's not to say that uh, guaranteed. If you're taking to the track, you're going to do damage to it. It can easily handle that. And for many years, my dad uh, had no upgrades or anything to the 996 when taking it to the track. It would be same wheels tires drive to the track stock seats stock suspension uh maybe just uh at, at pretty quickly he, he improved the brakes to just be racing pads but same calipers and rotors. did you change the fluid yeah we changed the fluid too but he did that for for many years uh until eventually you know he upgraded the the wheels to be to be bigger and better tires and then you know brakes and he kind of fell down that rabbit hole a little bit and, and then put in racing seats and a half cage and then suspension to coilovers and things like that but he still drives it to the track and back um and it can handle it you know we've driven it to Watkins Glen done two days of track driving and then driven it back to Connecticut five hours uh, no it's it's a, it's a cool thing meanwhile yeah. I just want to take it aside and say Steven's dad is a badass he puts on his suit and goes to work at like some finance job and gets into this racing seat. <laughs> it's, it's just, the, the thought of that is fantastic to me. Right, with with numbers that are on there all the time. Yeah, right, right. It's now like a panda car with with its uh, its um, palladium gold metallic. Um, Wait, what's the color called? Palladium. Are you sure? I thought it had a different name. No. <laughs> yes, to some it does. What's that mean? JRG. <laughs> JRG. <laughs> JRG with, with black fenders and uh, and permanent numbers. Right. Yep. Uh, and bronze wheels. What do we have? Yeah, bronze wheels on it. The OZ. Wait, the wheels are bronze now? Wheels have always been bronze. Well, not always. Oh, not I forgot about the aftermarket wheels. It, it's not so only a couple of years since you guys have had those wheels. Yeah, so this is our... So we still have the stock set, which now we use for all seasons. Um, and we put that on when it's not racing season. Um, and then he had some really shitty aftermarket wheels. Oh, God, I hated those wheels. For a while. 
Um, and they were just, yeah, they were crap. And then uh, they were probably fine at the track though, because they were wider, so you had better grip. Right, they're definitely better than stock, and and I will say, making uh, it makes a huge difference. Get the stock um, kind of turbine wheels on the that come with the 996. So uh, he, this Z2. is an early, this is an early 996. We're yeah, talking. 99, so 17 inch. Uh, the same wheels my dad had on his 1997 Boxster, actually. Right. Um, yeah. And I, what, what what are the tires on those? Two twenty fives, two thirty fives at the most. Which on the all on seasons? The, yeah. All seasons, the front are two o fives and the rears are two. Two o fives? Yeah. Oh my God, they're so they're tiny tires they're for, tiny. for that car. They're, well, yeah. but those those are all seasons on it now. They're not yeah. summer performance, but. But still, uh, I mean, I mean, two o fives. I was guessing it was at least two twenty five. I mean. But you're right. I remember looking at my dad's boxer. They were 205s. He had P0s on them when I was a kid, and they were two. And what are the backs? 225s? 245s, or 225s? I don't remember. But still not big. Like, for, yeah. to, to yeah. take it as a point of example, on our Saab 9000 race car, we have 245s all around, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's, like, not a Porsche. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, and then he got the OZ. Uh, are they racing wheels? They're not. They're lightweight. Yeah. Ford yeah. Aren't they like both T37s, pretty much? Oh no, no, they're ultra Legeras. They're OZ yeah. ultra Legeras. Right. Yeah, the bronze ones. Now I remember. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, so I, they're super reliable cars, honestly. But it's it's similar to the maintenance. I guess, in a way, to my W123, where they work for a long time, and then you bring them in, and then you pay out a lot. But, like, what other than the engine has your dad spent a lot on? I mean, well, besides aftermarket things, he's done a lot with, like, oil issues and stuff. So he recently had it in, which it just had... A slight oil leak we noticed you have when you take your car on track you you're putting a lot more stress on the car than you normally would driving it especially if you drive it to the track and then you drive it on the track and then you drive it back from the track for sure cars get getting worked on basically it's getting worked hard and meanwhile so, when when mr diamond drives to the office it's essentially like being on the track <laughs> <laughs> maybe so you were so, saying? So a lot of parts that you would not expect to have fail will have failure points. So regular hoses, regular, um, just like even O-rings and things like that. So a lot of stuff will fail over time and that needs to be replaced and that causes a lot of oil leaks, which has been a lot of the uh, main issue with this engine. Just you have oil leaks every now and then. Um, it makes sense because, like you're saying, you got the oil sloshing around at like three G's or how many two G's or whatever you're putting on in the corners versus uh, versus just driving it around in the street and and doing miles and miles of that. You're pushing the seals to their limits and the hoses right. to their limits. So that that doesn't surprise me at all. I, I would say that's pretty typical for a racing car. Yes, and the same thing goes with um, rubber parts. So any rubber parts, so bushings and um bushings and such of that nature though they will wear out a lot faster engine mounts they'll wear out a lot faster unless hey, does it, wait 
Does that 996 have the hydraulic engine mounts or no? I believe so. We did not change over to semi-solids. So, so that has the engine mounts where the engine moves forwards and backwards a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Which is why the same thing with the uh, the transmission mount is, I mean, the, since the engine's in the back with the transmission connected to it, transmission mount, you can make it firmer. There's basically just a simple rubber bushing in there. So a lot of times what will happen is if the rubber bushing in the trans will fail or loosens up because you have that hydraulic, you have that movement of the engine, you can actually be on track. And the, I've had this happen to me. You're in one gear and you go to like your third, you go to try to find fourth and you end up in sixth. Really? You, the engine is moving around that much that you can't get the right I had, gear. I had a, a transmission mount failure. So, so wait, is this how your dad money shifted? No. Oh, okay. I, we, you guys could have just given him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that. that no, that's, that's, as a family trait, that's not, not permitted. That's interesting. I, 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 I'm not surprised in a way because I think about like um, in, in my E46 BMW, it's the car that I experienced this the most in. I remember sliding and I'd be at the limit, sliding the car around and I'd try to shift and I would grind the gears while I was shifting. Not because I did anything so fast or so dramatic, but everything was moving around. So it wasn't like lined up properly. That's it. But I, I didn't know that you guys had that experience on the track with the 911. But you, so you were saying it was an it was a full failure. So the transmission mount just like d disintegrated. Well, it was on its way out. So that one instance, basically, I was going into a corner at a high rate of speed. And I car was weighted up on the right. Next corner is a left. So I moved to the left. Now I'm weighted a little bit to the left, braking and still weighted to the left. So in third gear trying to go to second ended up in fourth basically is what happened and right. as i moved over because of how much the car was moving forward uh, and to the left the transmission and the engine itself was shifted isn't that crazy to think about that all this shit in the car is moving around so much while you're driving that potentially that, that you can't get the right gear in the transmission yeah you'll, it's it, it does seem kind of odd that Things are moving around other than just yourself in the seat. Right, exactly. You, you think of everything as fixed, but it's totally not. And I mean, that changes too, especially with driving on the racetrack when you go from a stock seat to a racing seat. Right. I remember because, the first time when 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 uh, Stephen let me drive the 996. Is this, is this public knowledge at this point that I've driven the 996? I don't think my dad knows, but I don't think you'd mind. When you let me drive the 996, the first thing that I thought to myself, I said, oh, my God, it, I had never driven a car with a racing seat before, mind you. I said, you could probably go 40% faster just by having the seat because you're not moving. Right. I was so used to, for me, always in cars, I would have my knees spread out <laughs> to hold myself in, in place. You know, I never had a car with really sporty seats. Yeah, so now imagine what uh, the Vigan is like with the race seat. In it, the Vigan <laughs> Have you taken it for a good drive yet, Stephen? I have. I took it down that, that one route um, uh, near us, um, Web Circle. Um, Everyone, you didn't want to know how fast Stephen was going down this road. No, I didn't. Not the road that uh, we 
came down at night um, from from uh, basically my dad's driving route. No, we didn't go that way, but uh, went a different way, which I think we took you once in the 996. Possibly. Or something we weren't like going that. that fast. We were just kind of... Yeah. We were moving along. So um, how does it feel? I mean, is it a, is it a new car with the racing seat? It's a it's a new car with the racing seat, and now that it's on proper wheels, tires, bolts. Um, wait, wait, you you no more wobble bolts. You have real no bolts. Wobble, no more wobble bolts. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sticky tires. It's on. The the uh, the wheels might be torqued a little too high though. <laughs> what do you mean by that? How would you know? <laughs> Because Stephen looked up what the recommended torque specs are for it's like wheels, eighty-five pound feet. I torqued them six, yeah. six pounds higher. Oh no, that's like no big deal. No, you don't know that it's yeah, six pounds higher because you just uh, you just uh, I'll get them, um, with how it's impacted. Yeah, you just impacted them in, and then oh, you set Aaron, the, you're such an asshole. You impact. <laughs> and then you set the torque. And then he sets the torque to ninety-six, and he's like, "Oh, they're already all at ninety-six. That doesn't mean they're at ninety-six. No, no, Aaron, that Stephen's a hundred percent right. Thank you're, you. You're an asshole for impact wrenching. <laughs> I have a I have a zero percent tolerance for impact wrenching lug bolts because everyone does it, but like it seems to me to be so the wrong thing. But you know who does this, by the way? Who's like a little bit less shy about it than you might expect? Don and Josh. Oh. <laughs> I've seen them impact wrench bolts, lug bolts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But but you know they're so anal about shit. I always figured they would lose it about that, but they, you know, okay, it's done. Well, Don's pretty specific about torquing, I feel. Yeah, I mean, you always, I mean, when you... We've gotten better about actually torquing our, our wheels on our race car now. <laughs> the only time it really, I mean, if you're within a couple of pounds going around on a five lug, it's not that big of an issue if one is a little bit tighter than the others. Um, the only issue comes down to, I mean, four lug, you have to be a little bit more careful, but the only issue is when you're on a center lug. That's the only time that you have to worry about the, the main, because you only have one lug. No, no, I know what you're saying. And, and the thing is, it, it makes, it's logical what you're saying. But at the end of the day, I suppose the issue with, with uh, impact wrenching them on is potential breakage. Yeah, but I mean, they're still, unless they're really old bolts or- Should be okay. Studs. If you're using studs, it's a different story. You shouldn't really do, you shouldn't really do that with studs. Um, if you're doing it with bolts, that's fine. They're 10.9 bolts. They're, they're pretty heavy duty, right? They are heavy duty. Uh, yeah, no, you, you do make a good point with that. That that is true. And, and I, I, you know, when I was when I was starting off, I think every car I've ever driven had bolts instead of studs, except for my 240SX. Well, that's the only car I can add studs. Yeah. Studs are more of a American and uh, Asian market thing. Most American cars, cars have studs. What? Most American, like your Buick had studs, for example? Buick had studs. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that because I've never really worked on an American car. Aaron made a good point. I don't know if you were listening when you got the beer, Steven, but he's no. probably right that it doesn't matter so much to, to uh, impact, to impact wrench the bolts because they're strong fucking bolts, really. And anyway... All I can say is I'm very pleased that you both do no longer drive on on wobble bolts. You know, it makes me feel a lot better about your safety, the general health of the public. You know. I, I really don't see what's wrong with wobble bolts necessarily. 
Can you elaborate? Because uh, the reason why I say that is because basically just all it is is it's the head of the, of the bolt is now loose. Now, on all Porsches, that's what it is. You didn't know that on Porsche bolts. Like no, I know what you're talking about. They have the collar. They I understand. But, but I will say the collar on the Porsche bolt has, has way less movement. It's not a, how many millimeters does a wobble bolt give you? Um, I believe it's not exactly two, or it might be two, two and a half. Right. There's no, I would guess the, the movement on the Porsche is like a, a millimeter at the most, maybe half. Yeah, it's a little less. It's way less. So it's a, it's a different deal. Yeah. Also, but, but, Porsche bolts are uh, M12, not M14. Oh, that, I didn't know that. That's interesting. So they're thinner. Or the other way around. They're thicker. They're Porsche thicker. Okay. So they're M14 right. and Mercedes ones and German ones are M12. I didn't know that. That's pretty interesting. Well, that would make sense. They're they're expecting higher loads on them. But I do remember that with my dad's Boxster that it had the color on it. And uh, you know, I would be I would like to talk to you know I'm just bullshitting about this because I'm not an engineer. But I would like to talk to a real engineer, not Don and Josh on this because I don't know. Well, Don is a real engineer. I know. Okay, I would maybe be interested in Don's opinion, but still maybe not because he kind of said it was okay. So I would be interested in another engineer's opinion on wobble bolts. Hey, listen, do me a favor. I have a German here in Mexico who is certainly extremely bored. And so if you send me a picture of your wobble bolts, I'll send him an email and I'll ask him to respond to us on what he thinks about the, the safety of using wobble bolts. And he's like a real German. So <laughs> he'll, give us a, he'll give us quite the answer. What was that shape you outlined with your hands there, Ryan? Right? Uh, square. <laughs> it was a, a rhombus. Yes. No. So, and he also he's a race car driver. He has a um, a Camaro 1LT, uh, and he's the guy who I went racing with in Homestead. Nice. By the way, right now we're in the process of rescheduling our race event at Lime Rock, which I'm so fucking sad about because. I don't know, like if, it, I hope it all works out, but if I don't get to go have Lime Rock to myself, I'm gonna be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed. I didn't have my SCCA school, um, that's TBD. Um, yeah. and, and now I'm doing the uh, Porsche experience, uh, track experience uh, in September now. Well, when was it supposed to be? Uh, next week. And that's <laughs> Barber or in Atlanta? Barber Motorsports, Barber. yeah. You've been to Barber before or no? I have not. My dad has, though. I, I heard Barber is fantastic. Yes, he says it's such a good track. It has good flow, but it's not... I heard it wasn't... It's not the best design for, for 911s. So why do you say that? What is a 911 like on the track? I think it likes uh, kind of curvy S-like uh, like corners. Um, and I think the flow of, of Barber... Uh, and especially I think the elevation is what I heard as well. Some of the, that change uh, is not the most suited for 911s. Interesting. I've never had the pleasure of driving a rear engine car on the track, but even just driving around corners uh, on the road, you, you can really feel it. It's, it's, it's something interesting. And I, I think you guys are lucky because 
the majority of your experience driving at high speeds is, as young guys was with this 911. So you got like a very specific experience of how cars drive on the limit, right? And I, I think you got like a good one because like that's a pretty good car at the limit. It, I don't know if you guys have heard uh, Jethro Bobbington and Chris Harris talk about the C, an early C2 996 and how just like yeah. it's such a sweet car and how the handling and everything. I mean, you guys got a good deal with learning how to drive on that thing. Yeah, those two guys both love the 996. They do. And I think they're right too because even in my minimal experience with a compromised convertible with questionable history, it was phenomenal. I mean, I had such a ball of driving it. I will say though, I did, for example, like in a, like I'll go back to the Miata, Stephen, in, in your Muir Beach, when I'm hucking it into the corners and like, you know, like giving it a Scandinavian flick and sliding through, I most certainly was not doing that in the 996. You know what I mean? Like it, it demands yeah. a bit more respect. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But maybe you get to a point like that with the car, you know, I'm sure after years of driving it on the track, you guys feel a lot more comfortable with it, but getting in it, it's not like a snap your fingers and you know it kind of car. No, it is not. No, it takes getting used to considering the fact that most people are used to uh, front engine rear rear drive. So you have more balanced, uh, some more, more balanced instead of something that all the weight is in the back. Now, nine out of six, is leaning more and more towards the way that they are now, which is more mid-engine. So they're still kind of, it's still behind the rear axle, but ever so slowly it was moving further and further. Um, Well, I think with a full tank of gas, a 996 is pretty close to 50-50. Full tank of gas, yeah, because you have. Yeah, because the ga- because the the gas tank is like over the over the front bumper. If you like touch a stop sign, the car blows up. You know. <laughs> that was on the old ones. No, um, I'm, I'm ones kidding. It's not like that. It's like on the on the Boxster. It's actually a little bit. It's right next to the uh, like the bulkhead, essentially, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right next to the bulkhead. But yeah, you do, it does take a little getting used to, considering it's more of a pendulum. You have so much weight in the back. That if you're not used to that kicking out and then what to do with that, it, it responds a lot faster than if you have that pendulum sitting in front of your car, but the control is from the rear. And, and we can both speak to that. You both can speak to that. <laughs> No, I believe it. I, listen, I, I almost spun. We, we got, so down here in Mexico, my girlfriend drives a 2019 Miata. And I, we just got her car back yesterday. Somebody had hit her from behind, and so she got Oh, a, really? It wasn't so bad, but, like, they had to put a new bumper cover on it regardless because it was, like, the, 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 the nuts from the license plate of the car behind her essentially just, like, drilled holes in her bumper, and it was, like, shot. So they had to put on a new bumper cover. But uh, I drove it yesterday, and, I mean, I was sliding, and I, you know, not having been in a rear-wheel drive car in a while, I was like, whoa. Like, I mean – even with a car like that, which is so well balanced and very easy to control, like you could lose it. So step into a 996 and put all the weight back there. I mean, it's like a, it just adds way onto that story because, you know, I'm used to driving a front wheel drive car, which it, the only risk for me of the back end going out, my car has a solid rear axle, is if you let off the gas during a corner, if you try and brake during a corner, and then it just goes like this. 
things. <laughs> but it, except under those situations, you never you never incur it. So it, most people would never be used to the way that would feel. No. And then imagine driving it on two oh fives in the front and <laughs> two twenty fives. It's scary. Yes, it must be. It must actually be quite loose on those little tires. It is. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is. I, th- I think it's. <laughs> it's like I I took it to go get. I filled it up with gas a couple weeks ago, and just pulling out of the gas station, it was just you got on the throttle a little bit, and the thing just whoop, just slides a little bit. The back end kind of slides out a bit, and you can hold it very easily because now the tires are so small. It's very lightweight steering, all the weight's yeah. in the back, and you just kind of coast it right out of there. Meanwhile, you don't have any traction control in that car. Nope, no traction control. Right, that's a cool thing. The early 996s were like actually pretty raw cars, if you think about it. It does have ABS. It does have ABS. Um, I'm no traction to, control. I, I have to look into this car a little bit further to see. I don't believe some of the really early 996s, 98, 99s, actually came with a limited slip from the factory i don't think yours has a limited slip i don't think this one has a limited slip yeah no it would be nice you know let me think about it have i ever driven a car with a limited slip i'm not sure that i've ever driven a car with a limited slip diff have you guys does the e60 m5 have a limited slip i would imagine so i'm trying to remember if the e28 m5 has a limited slip I think it does. E28 well, if you watch the Chris Harris video with that car, you would very well think that it has a limited slip. Yeah. we should paint. He's doing a whiskey files now on Instagram. I don't know if you guys have listened. Oh really? Oh really? Every, every day he he's answering questions, but under the under the uh, assumption that he's been drinking whiskey before the questions, <laughs> and uh, and he calls them the whiskey files. We should ask him about uh, about. You know, just to talk us through that early video of, of the M5 sliding around, because you got to figure that has to be one of the best shots he's ever done. You know, this is the guy who's now the head, you know, head guy on Top Gear. And I actually think that all of his videos, maybe that early E28 M5. That's a great video. Corners is the best video I've ever seen him do. It is a classic. It is. I mean, that's like. You talk about driving, that's driving, as far as I'm concerned. While we were on the topic of limited slip diffs, I was, uh, we've talked, so my W123 is in the shop this week. Um, and because uh, I had some vibration under acceleration and it's gotten worse. Uh, and it's not just in like first gear, or second gear, you know, it, it, it's in first and second and stuff. This like is that. similar to the vibration we experienced when we drove from Warwick to Narragansett with five people in the car and we talked. No, that had a whine. There was a whine. Oh, yeah, yeah. There so was no so one time we oh, took Steven's 1980, uh, 85. What? 1983. 1983 Mercedes 300D. We drove with five people from Warwick, Rhode Island, and Newport, about maybe like an hour drive, or Narragansett, an hour drive. Yeah. And we said, well, how fast... Well, Five, like, guys. Five grown men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 110 miles per hour? Yes. I believe. 110. Likely downhill, probably. Maybe, but 83 car, five men, 110 miles an hour, boom, 
rock solid. It was unbelievable. I, I always had been enchanted with this car, and that was like a, took it to the next level for me. Yeah, no, that car can can do it all. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I have it in the shop because I want to get this vibration sorted. Um, and they they say it's the diff. And after that trip, I did get the diff replaced. Uh, right. And so the last time I did the diff was uh, November of 2017. So how could it need a new diff already? I don't understand. So I, I don't either. I mean, there are no new differentials that are being put it's in. It's rebuilt. I understand. But you never know the life of those. And that's what you know my, my guys at the shop had said. Um, but, I, but I did push back because Aaron and I had talked. Uh, and we do think it's like the U-joints or other parts of the... Uh, drive shaft that are causing the vibration rather than the diff itself. Um, Which makes sense because they have 35 years on them and not being right. replaced. And and I've changed the half axles before, but again, I haven't changed those since 2016, 2014, and I did a center drive shaft carrier unit in 2014. Do you have an Excel sheet of all this? I, I have a sticky note that we went back to, to our log and, and check all the things we've done to the rear can, assembly. Can you guys do a favor and, and put up an Excel sheet on the expenses on the three uh, no. and, and, and then post it on the autoholic I, for I'm everyone's too nervous to pleasure? I'm too nervous to do that. I don't want to know. Um, I do want to know. I do an Excel for every car I own. I do this on. You do? Yeah. yeah. We have all the files. Um, it would just be like going through and putting them in Excel. It would probably take an hour or two. Right. It would just be excruciating on your heart. Yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> I would need to be drinking while doing this heavily. Right. Um, but the, the point was is that uh, if, in fact, it was the diff, and I pushed back and they're going to look. We told them, like, look at the U-joints, look at something else. And they say they'll consider it and they'll get back to me. Um, but if they do put, uh, think it's the diff, like, could we modify and put in a limited slip diff in, in my W123? Wait, I have a better idea. If you had to change the transmission, would you also have to change the diff? No. So yes, if you, if you change the diff, it's a prime opportunity to change to a manual. I think you should manual swap it. What the fuck are you doing? Why would you leave it as an automatic if you're going to pay to put a new diff in? I, I know, and I, I went through that same thought process when I did the diff in, in 2017. And Jeff actually has all the parts to do a manual swap on a W. So you should do the manual swap. What are you doing? I'm serious. You, you, you're you wasting an opportunity to drive a manual W123, which is way better than an automatic W123. I'll tell you, I've driven both. <laughs> I, I've actually never driven a manual 123. I can tell you it's fantastic. It's just great. You would love it. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's something I can I, I consider. Um, but yeah, I don't know. TVD on that. There's something I do like about the manual. Hang way. on one second. You mean the automatic? Yeah, that's what I meant. So, so if you think yeah. about it, if they're going to drop that whole rear carrier, right. anyway, which to do to do to do any work on the differential, you have to drop the whole suspension. Uh, the axles, the exhaust, everything. everything. Right, it's a it's a big job. So it leaves a lot of opportunity to do things to the car while it's all off because you might as well. Right. So Stephen, 
I didn't know the podcast was going to go this direction, but this is right. turning into a swap the W123 to a manual campaign. <laughs> Aaron, what do you think about this? Aaron's in that campaign. Uh, I'm, I'm indifferent. Oh, I, I, I'm so heavily in the camp of swapping it. It's unbelievable because so, okay, how much did the diff job cost you? What, in 2017? Yes. I don't know. Probably 1700 or something. So like two grand, let's say, right? Yeah. yeah. Round numbers. How much will Jeff charge you for the parts? I have no idea. Call him. And you would have to get a drive line, drive shaft made. Wait, wait, wait. Why can't you use the drive shaft out of his car? Different length. Why would it be a different length? You're going to have the W1, you're going to have the same dip and you're going to have the same transmission. It's going to be the same length. Well, the, the gear ratios on 240s are different. So. Wait, hang on. Is it a 240? So it's a four speed. Uh, I don't know if it's a four or a five. No, I mean, most, most are going to be. If it's a 240, it's a four speed. Right. So the thing is, you would want to make sure that you don't have a the diff of a 240. Because the diff of a 240 would be too short of gearing for your car. Right. Because I've driven it, in, and in fourth gear at 80 miles an hour, you're like, you're all, all done. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. Right. So you, you would want, I, I'm assuming that the diff in yours is a longer longer ratio. But you'd have to check that. Yeah. Um, I imagine it comes, like, what other manual would you get uh, out of a car? Uh, like a Mercedes transmission to put in my car besides the 240 four-speed. Well, the, the five 300 five-speed. Yeah, there are a bunch of five-speeds as well. But it, but it. How many it, of those do you find here? Not, not so many. Not so many, but you can still find them. But I think that because that's what Jeff told me is I guess there's a, it's a different length drive shaft. Well, it depends. If you use the dip from the 240, it wouldn't be. But if you use the dip from this car, maybe. Right, because think about it. You have three pieces. You have the transmission, you have the drive shaft, and you have the diff. So if it, if you're using everything from the 240, 240 right, it all like, works. Right. right, but if you change something out, maybe it would change. So the the other thing about it is, if you were doing a, a rebuilt diff, you could have the diff built to any ratio that you wanted. It would probably already be rebuilt. Right, but you could get a rebuilt diff in X ratio. Theoretically, yes. Right. So that's a, yeah. If you're going to do this, you better swap it. I mean, why would you not? I don't know. I guess I've just... Uh, you like the automatic? Uh, yeah, I've just grown so accustomed to the automatic. And wait, wait. You know, accustomed and liking are different things. Well, I, you know, it has a certain character to it that I, I guess I'm just fond of in a way. Um, and I, changing to a manual, I'm nervous because, you know, I've had the car 10 years uh how would it affect my you know enjoyment or experience with the car i think it's actually a perfect time you've had the car 10 years now this is a transition to give you another experience with the car that's true you know, and i don't perfect. drive it i don't drive it so often anymore too right now I, I if you're thinking about doing any type of work like this Please consider strongly the manual swap. I mean, it, it, I think it's, it would really be a worthwhile uh, endeavor for you. I, I, I have driven both, and I can tell you the manual is wonderful. It's just like a, 
really luggable, light, nice shifting thing, you'd love it. Yes. Um, you know, the other consideration is you're asking for more man hours. And for a car I don't drive as much anymore, do I really want to put that much more money into it? What's the difference if you're investing two and you invest three? I mean, is it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not the, not the end of the world. End of, right. Right. You should think that through heavily. I, I mean, I'm telling you, I've driven the manual and it's lovely. You, yeah. you would have a hoop that car being a manual. But you think I should only do it if I get the five speed? No, no. I just think that you should make sure that you get the right gear ratios, that you're not topped out at 80 miles an hour. Yeah. Like the 240 has 50 horsepower. It needs gear ratios that 80 miles an hour is all can go, but you don't need a you don't need an 80 mile an hour top speed with that car. You could have a diff with a different ratio so that it would it would allow you to cruise at 80 and be comfortable, you know? I would love a five speed in that. I would do the manual swap if I had a five speed, like I think without a doubt. What do you cruise at with your transmission? What, what do I cruise at with the automatic? If I'm speed doing- Speed comfortably on the highway without the car feeling strained. Like 70, 75. Maybe the ratio is not so different than the 240s then. Yeah, I mean, it's at, at 3,000 RPMs. Yeah, three or like slightly below. Yeah, no, it's probably about the same ratio as the 240s then. Because that's where it feels like very comfortable without it being stressed. I mean, you can do 85, but after some time, it feels like you're pushing the car. Um, so I do think it would be nice to have a, have a fifth gear, um, and, you know, cruise. No, I, am with you. I think that would be very cool. Well, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to get online and look for a, uh, 300 D transmission just to make sure that you don't fuck this up and you do the right thing. <laughs> but my original point was, could I put a limited slip diff in my car and would that be worth it? I would think that um, it would be, uh, I, I think the only thing worthwhile doing, if you're thinking about doing anything, is a manual swap. Is a manual swap. So what does it say here? Manual transmission and shifter kit. Wow, they want a lot of money for this. Yes. Are you looking at the one at like diesel something? Oh, Dieselmercedes.com? Yep. Holy shit, where do they get this figure from? That's outrageous. Yeah. How much is it? It's like $2,000. No, it's $3,850 for a uh, five-speed. Oh, I was looking at the four-speed one. But oh, but the biggest differences are the drive shaft length, the shift linkages, the flywheel, and the cross member. Yeah, wow, interesting. You need so four inches locked off of a manual 240 front drive shaft in order to make, it, uh, make the swap to a 300. Bigger it's engine. You're going from a four, uh, four cylinder to a six. I mean, five. But, sorry. I think, though, my opinion on this is that the right thing to do would be to talk it over with Jeff because you you don't want to pay retail for something like this. You want to get something from Jeff's junkyard and put it in. But you're saying even uh, even with the four speed. No, I would do it. I would do it with any gearbox, without a doubt, because what the fuck? The, like I said, the only thing I would check is I would do it. I know it's a little complicated and I'm not so smart on this, but I would figure out how to do the calculation to make sure that you're not going to get screwed up with the ratio that you're driving with your diff 
And with the four speed you're driving, it's 80 miles an hour and it's at 4,000 RPMs. Like that would be horrible. That's the only concern I would have. And I would say that probably a four speed suits the car better than a five speed, believe it or not. Yeah. I don't think it's meant to be rowing the gears all the time. And and when I was in the 240D, I kind of liked that from, it reminded me of my S-Class and that from 30 miles an hour, I was in fourth gear and it was comfortable. There's something to be said about that. I know, I know. But I'd like to be able to cruise at, you know, 80, 85 and, a, and it not being at 3,200 RPM and feel like, you know, it's it's so strained after a length of time. Right, because that's what your four-speed automatic does. Right. Right. No, but you know what you, you – so so you have to do a calculation. You have to figure out what the ratio of the diff is and figure out what the gear ratios are. And Don could help you make the calculation on what your RPMs would be. Because he's an actual engineer. He's an actual engineer, <laughs> unlike us armchair engineers. Okay, putting that aside, I'm just going to say it one more time. Look yep. very heavily into manually swapping your car. It's a worthwhile endeavor. For example, I'm ready to manual swap my S8, and I haven't even driven it yet. <laughs> so obviously, I'm not going to do it, right? I'm going to be right. smart. I'm going to drive the car, make sure I love it. But you love that car. Yes. And you love driving manuals, so it's only going to be better with the manual. And the automatic is flawed as fuck in that car. It's quirky. I like it in a way. What do you think? The manual wouldn't be quirky? <laughs> no, I, I no, I mean, uh, I totally agree that, uh, you know, with the automatic, you put your foot down, it clunks down a gear. It'd be nicer to control when it shifts. And then ultimately, it'd probably be smoother. And I think it might even be better on my transmission in the long run. Um, you mean on the car in general, because everything would be smoother. Right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Autoholics Anonymous by The Autoholic. Tune into future episodes and follow our adventures at the-autoholic.com or on Instagram at the.autoholic and Twitter at theautoholic. Stay safe, but don't forget to drive fast and take chances. Cheers. Introduction music by Ryan Abronovic.